right. Praise God, everybody. Uh, so glad to see you. We have a lot of really cool stuff happening at Christian Life. Glad that you are a part of it. And um, gosh, as the lead pastor here, for those of you guys that have been sewing into the ministry stuff that we've been doing, thank you for that. I don't know who you are, and I know you're giving unto the Lord, not for recognition, but we really do appreciate it, and you guys should be um, glad to hear that sort of thing. Can I just say that this morning, um, we're really going to uh, talk to our church body today. This is a message for our church family. I know we have lots of guests that are here and guests that are watching online. Uh, we actually have Texas Star, uh, uh, the group I told you about a couple of weeks ago that's here. I'll introduce them. And really some cool things that are happening uh, with them and that uh, outreach. But I want to just say to uh, all of us Christian lifers, you know, I can't speak for all Christians in the United States, but I can talk to us including myself, and I, I have a word for you, and that is this, that the days of being a passive Christian need to come to an end. Amen. The days of being a passive Christian, they just need to come to an end. And if you are a part of this church, I'm going to be challenging you. We are going to be challenging one another um, to catch fire with the zeal of God. Amen. Um, Landon did a great job talking last week about how that we are to be called to be active agents living out our assignment and we have been talking about this dual focus of reaching nations and neighbors and I want to just finish this month long series talking about the nations. There's so much that's happening on the world stage right now that, have a, that I think has a lot to do with the end times um, that I think it's important for us to have a conversation. You know, leaders of nations uh, who have consistently opposed Christianity and even hated Israel are aligning themselves even right now as we but right before our eyes and positioning themselves, I think, with the goal of world dominance. You guys know what I'm talking about. It seems like an alliance is forming between Russia, China, Iran. You know, of course, North Korea continues to grow. It's just crazy um, to think that that little country is a nuclear threat. And all these, all these nations that we're seeing that are aligned together, they, they have something that's very much in common. They, they were or have been or currently are uh, the worst abusers of religious freedom. So many Christians have been killed, martyred in these nations. I remember several years ago when, when the Iron Curtain fell, Carrie and I, we were much younger people back then, but we took teams into, into the Soviet Union and preached the gospel, and it was amazing to see how grateful and thankful the people of that nation were because they had never been able to own a Bible. They didn't have Bibles written in their own language. And I remember we, we carried 80,000 New Testaments that had been translated in Russian. Carrie and I sang songs in Russian. Well, she really sang, I just kind of groaned. But <laughs> we didn't even know what the words meant, but we, we, we faked it. And people just gathered all over. People are hungry for the good news of the kingdom. And these nations, you know, they're a real threat. But I'm not saying that to alarm any of us. I'm just saying this to awaken us. That um, two weeks ago I said that God's call upon us is to join him in the work of God. That, I are, that, that we need to know the time. You remember the scripture I put up, Romans 13, verse 11. And we love those that are lost. And we do this because we know the time that it's already the hour. It's already the hour for us to awake from sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we became believers. The night is advanced toward the dawn. The day is near, so we must lay aside the works of darkness and put on the weapons of light. 
You might not have, you might not have ever seen that phrase, weapons of light or the armor of light. But I really want you to, I really want you to grasp this message because in the scripture, you know, night is almost always a metaphor for darkness, for the darkness of sin or for what the devil is doing. Day is almost always connected with the day of the Lord. It's always connected with light, darkness, and light. It symbolizes judgment of the enemies of God and vindication for the saints of God. That's what day does. And so light always in Scripture, I want you to get this, it always represents truth. To, to share the truth is to share the light, okay? To bring the truth in, is to bring the light into dark places. And so the weapons of light, what are they? These are the spiritual gifts and the anointing of truth that God has given us to go in dark places and actually fight against the work of darkness in nations and in your neighborhood. And so I want you to, I want you to grasp this because Christians are soldiers in the conflict and we've been equipped for battle. And for us, for us to go into darkness is not so that we would succumb to the darkness or the temptation of sin, but that we would win the battle for souls. Everybody, that we would win the battle for souls by fighting for them, not against them, for them, with the weapons of light, the weapons of truth. This is, for us, this is a message of urgency. And I don't know if you sense this or not, but I do. I hope that you do, that there's a sense of urgency that is um, awakening within the church today, that the hour is here, and the end of the age is fast approaching. And Paul was talking about this in 1 Corinthians 15, when he was talking about how Jesus' second coming and what it was going to be like. And I, I want to show, show you this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he said, in light of that, that the last trumpet is going to sound <clears throat> and what's corrupted is going to put on incorruption. He says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I just want to put these three things up because it dropped down in my spirit these three things, stand firm, let nothing move you, and always give yourselves to the work of the Lord. Say that with me, everybody. Stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. One more time. Come on, let's say it. Stand firm. I think if you... I think if you left today and got nothing else, if you took a snapshot of that or, if, or, or, or it imprinted on your brain, you could leave with something that is so powerful from the Lord because in these days, you have to stand firm. In these days, you cannot be moved by all of the craziness around you. And in these days, we have got to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. There was another place where Jesus was asked about the signs of the end of the age. I'm going to give you a few verses here today. And he said one of these signs is that there will be an intensification of nations rising against nations, nations raging in these last days. And he even said that some of you, when you go into these nations, are going to be hated Jesus said, for my name's sake. I'm going to read this to you. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They asked Jesus, Matthew 24, 3. Jesus said, watch out that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. Many have been misled, and they've wandered away into deception. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed. I underline that in my notes, make sure you are not alarmed. Uh, let nothing move you, right? Everybody stand firm. 
Make sure you're not alarmed. There are a lot of Christians that are freaking out. Jesus already predicted this. He prophesied this. He promised us God's in control. He's in charge. Make sure that you are not alarmed. And that's a word I have for you. For this must happen, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise in, up in arms against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of birth pains. Sixty plus thousand pe people just died in Turkey. Gosh, how horrible it was what ha broke out in Mississippi just this weekend. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will be led into sin and they will betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because of lawlessness, because lawlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow old. This is familiar passage. But I want you to see verse 13, but the person who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus is predicting in the last days, I believe there will be, an, there will be a groundswell, there will be an upswing, there will be an increased urgency of the gospel being preached all around the earth to all nations. <coughs> Jesus loves the nations. Tell somebody right now he loves the nations. Even, listen, everybody, he even loves the nations that hate your, you because you're a Christian. I said he loves the nations, even the ones that hate us, because we carry his name. You know why he loves those nations? Because the nations are populated with people that he loves and died for. It's the people that are contained within these nations. And because the nations are inhabited with these people who have no idea, some that even God exists, and are if God exists, that God loves them. This is the incredible thing. They have no idea. Our last day's assignment is to bring the light of the good news to, dark, to the dark places in the nations. That's for you and me too, everybody. Now, I want to show you something. If you go to Luke 24, Matthew 24, now we're going to go to Luke 24. I want to show you, I mean, this is Easter season, and I want to show you where Jesus the pre-crucified Christ spoke to them about the last days, and now the risen Christ is speaking to them again about the last days. The pre-crucified Jesus answered that question in Matthew 24, but now in Luke 24, the risen Christ doubles down on the assignment and the calling of our lives. In fact, if you go to Luke 24, you find that the disciples had discovered an empty tomb. You know this story. And he was, and two of the followers were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appeared to them, and they didn't know it was him. And, and then he opens up their eyes, and then he disappears. And they run to the 11, and they start telling them what happened. Well, while they were talking, well, I'll read it to you. Verse 24, chapter Luke 24, 36. And just as they were telling them about it, Jesus himself suddenly was there standing among them. <clears throat> Amazing. Can you imagine that? And the risen Christ, all of a sudden, boom, there he is. And, and they freak out. They think they're seeing a ghost. He tells them to be calm, calm down. The whole group is startled. They're frightened. They're thinking they're seeing a ghost. And Jesus says, look, here's my hands. Here's my feet. And then they still didn't believe. They were filled with joy, but they still thought this is a mirage or this is a ghost. This is a, they were freaking out. And then Jesus, I don't know if he was hungry or if he was just doing it for a sign. He says, but y'all got anything to eat? I don't know. I laughed too when I was reading that. I'm like, you know, Jesus liked fish. So he asked for some broiled fish and he ate it right there in front of them. He shows them his hands and his feet. He tells them to stop freaking out. Then they were filled with joy. Verse 44, then he said, when I was with you before, this is the risen Jesus talking about the pre-crucified 
time that he was there. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Boy, weren't they blessed. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah should, would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, and you are witnesses of these things. We just sang that. I love that anthem, that song we were just singing about during this whole series, that you are witnesses of this. We are witnesses of his power, of his life, of the resurrection, and you are witnesses of it. Can you see this is, this is Luke's version of the Great Commission, that this message is going to be preached to all nations, the forgiveness of sins for those who repent. And then, you know, the most, the, the most common version of the Great Commission is Matthew's. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you unto the end of the age. There are some people who want to discount this Great Commission from being our commission because they think, well, he was just speaking to them and they were filled with the Spirit. So there was this incredible anointing that just ramped up and it spread around the gospel. Well, that is all true. But if Jesus was only speaking to them, they were not alive at the end of the age. They would not live until the end of the age. I think this is the great commission for all saints to take the Scripture to all nations in all history, past, and also time to come. So I want you to see, everybody, that the Great Commission is our shared mission. In fact, I want you to get this, it is our commission. The commission, would you look at that everybody, I want you to see this, is that Jesus knew what his mission was. And he gave us the same mission. So the commission is our co-mission. We are partnering with him. He has assigned us to reach the nations. They're not going to be reached except by the living Christians that are on the planet today. And I just want you to fully embrace that. This is the work of the Lord that we should give ourselves fully to, our co-mission. You know, when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents lost him for three days. It's amazing. Anybody got a 12-year-old? Anybody got a 12? Raise your hand. You see how that could happen, don't you? No cell phones, no tracking devices. They just, they lost him. Three days later, they come back and they're freaking out. They find him in the temple courts, right? And he's sharing the scriptures with all of the religious leaders. Hallelujah. And they, and they find him, Joseph and Mary, they find him and say, what have you done to us, son? Look what you have done to us. And Jesus answers them and says, why are you so worried? Didn't you realize I would be about my father's business? At 12 years old, he said, don't you realize I must be about my father's business? Fast forward 21 years later, He's hanging on a cross about his father's business, breathes his last breath, and with it he cries out, it, say it with me everybody, is finished. It's like a bookend between a 12-year-old Jesus being about his father's business and the fulfillment of his mission when he breathed out his last breath and said, it is finished. And then if you look at John's version of Luke 24, whenever the risen Jesus showed up just out of the blue and freaked them out, look at it in verse, John 20, verse 19, That's, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors, this is Easter Sunday, by the way, 
because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. This is John's version. Peace be with you, he said, and he sp- as he spoke, he showed them <coughs> the wounds on his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw him. In verse 21, again he said, peace be with you. Read this with me, everybody. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Do you know the English word mission comes from the Latin root word that has to do with sent. It just simply means sent. Missionaries are sent ones. Landon said this several times last week in his message, we are missionaries. To the people all around us, we are the sent ones. This is an answer to what Jesus said. We are sent by Christ, and we now, it's our turn, we must be about our Father's business. Come on, everybody. I want you to embrace this. I said it's time for passivity to cease. It's time for us to stop worrying about the end days and realize that we have an assignment. It's time for us to quit waiting for a trumpet to sound and hopefully for a rapture to take place and get us out here and realize that our action has everything to do with the timing of the Lord's return. Because this message must be preached to all peoples and all nations. In fact, people try to figure out all the time, when is he coming back? I know when he's coming back. I mean, not the day or the hour, but I know he's coming back when the last person in God's plan hears the gospel for the last time and God says, I'm satisfied with the witness that has gone forth and then there is release to the transition and we're going to have a party, everybody, because the end of the day of the Lord is here. In the meantime, we must be about our Father's business because His mission, here's point number one, His mission has now become your mission. His mission has now become your mission. I don't know if you're convicted yet, but if you're not, I'm going to keep preaching at you. I'm just saying that a lot of us have spent way too much time being passive about what God has done to us, and we've not answered the call of God. And we're glad to be saved. We're glad to have Jesus in our life. And we're, we're, we're excited about going home to be with the Lord. And we got all of the stuff that we deal with with our families and our bills and all of our challenges and all that stuff. But there are people that are living in darkness in nations that have never once heard the gospel when we have heard it thousands of times. It's just not even fair that we should keep preaching to the same people and not have any outreach to people who have never once heard the gospel. I know it's a little weak, but thank you, everybody, for the agreement. That's the kind of applause that comes whenever you're convicted. I get it. Here's the next point. Not only is his mission now our mission, but your mission is not a burden. It's a privilege. Incredible. I mean, mean, honestly, there are lots of times whenever I'm speaking for the Lord or teaching the Word or sharing my faith or praying with somebody, and after it's over, I'm like, I can't believe I got to just do this. I just can't even believe that I got to do this. I cannot believe that the person that I am, the screw-up that I am, and, you know, the times that I have stumbled all through my life, that God still loves me enough to let me partner with Him. It is an incredible privilege of God's grace, His long-suffering, His mercy, His goodness, that He would operate through me. It's not a burden. It's like, oh, he's going to take up an offering for missions in a minute. Or it's like, you mean I'm going to have to go and tell my neighbor about Jesus? It's not a burden. It's a privilege, everybody. You have to change the filter in your brain. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I love this in the, in the living version. When, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same person anymore. Can you say amen to that? A new life has begun, and all these new things are from God who brought us back to himself 
through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege, and God has given us the privilege, and God has given us the privilege of urging, urgent, of urgently urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to God. You are God's ambassadors. I can't believe he chose you, but I can't believe he chose me. He's just good like that. Here's number three. Your mission is what God has given you that gives your life the greatest meaning. It's your mission that gives your life the greatest meaning. Listen, if we fail at fulfilling our God-given mission, our co-mission, if we spend a lifetime and we fail at this, then we have wasted what God has given to us. I know it's a sobering thought. I know it kind of smacks us, but it's time for us to wake up and stop being passive when people are dying all around us and entering into eternity and we haven't really cared. I love the Apostle Paul. He really grasped what we're saying here. And at the end of his life, he's talking to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He says this, my life, this is verse 24, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I want to read that to you again. This is Acts 20, verse 24. He says, but my life, is it up here? Yes, listen, look at it, everybody. But my life is worth nothing. It's worth nothing to me right? Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me. All of us have an assignment, multiple assignments. It's the work of the Lord. And all that matters really is that I am telling others somehow, or I am part of the process of others hearing the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And so, you know, Emily holds up the card and you're like, oh, well, maybe there is somebody I can invite. You know, maybe you ought to take 10 and just go find people to invite. Maybe 20 of them. Maybe we need to reprint them because all of us are thinking, there's an opportunity here that people need to know about His grace. I mean, I'm talking about people that are strangers. You know, I'm going through just some self-improvement work right now on, on some challenges that, that Carrie and I are working on. Actually, Grant kind of turned me on to us. And one of the things I was listening to, uh, to this challenge, and that is that every day, spend a, some time having a conversation with someone you don't know. And this is a secular guy talking about mental sharpness and, and, and emotional health. And I'm thinking to myself, Christians don't even get this. And so I'm wondering if maybe that we should just start looking for conversations. This was what Landon was challenging us last week. And that card is a great opportunity for you to seize the moment and let your life have some meaning. Everybody, I'm challenging all of us and I just want you to get this, that God's timetable for the conclusion of this age is connected with the completion, our completion of our mission, of our assignment, with the commission, our co-mission. He's finished his, and now he said, as, I've, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And just before his ascension, the disciples were asking Jesus again, 
They were infected with the same disease we are. We want answers. We want to know times. Come on, we want you to give us a date. Give us a year. When are you coming back? When will Israel rule? When will there be a new heavens and a new earth? We're sick of all this stuff. When, when, when? I'm going to show you. Acts chapter 1, 16. This is before he ascends. This is the risen Jesus again. So the apostles were with Jesus. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. I chuckled at that because I just see a bunch of Christian lifers in this. Just keep asking me. And I don't really mean to offend everybody, but I get asked all the time. What does this mean? Is this the end? What does this mean? Is this connected with the end? What does this mean? Is this prophecy? What does this mean? And people keep asking and asking and asking and asking. I'm not offended. You can ask me, but maybe I'm going to start answering like Jesus. I'm just going to say, you know, the Father alone has authority to set the dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So stop asking. I don't have the, if Jesus didn't have the answer, why are you asking me? Come on, everybody, can you laugh at yourself a little bit? Because we're just like the apostles. We keep asking, we keep asking, we keep asking. People keep asking, people keep asking. And people got charts, they got dates, they got predictions. They're drawing crowds, they're selling books. Come on, everybody. People are experts on the end times, and yet Jesus is not the expert on the end times. He said only the Father knows, and it's not really for you to know. In fact, what he did, instead of talking about end times, he, he redirected them to the Great Commission. He redirected them to their mission. Forget about when it's all going to happen. You've got work to do. Now fully commit yourself to the work of the Lord. Look at it. The Father alone has the authority to set dates and times. It's not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm just saying in Murfreesboro, in Christiana, in Knoxville, I'm just saying in Georgia, in California. In China, in Iran, come on everybody, we are called to go to the ends of the earth and then let the end come whenever God is ready. And he said, enough has been done. So just stop it. Stop the speculating and start articulating. Start announcing there's good news. Okay. So I've done my best at challenging you on the biblical foundation and the great commission that Jesus gave to us as an assignment. Now, can I talk to us as a church family? Um, you know, one of the things the Lord put on my heart several years ago was the need for Christian life to be involved in getting the gospel preached where it has never been preached, in villages, in cities, in nations around the world. And I feel like that we have to reach our neighbors. It's our Jerusalem. We have to care about our city. But we also need to think about the nations because he loves the nations. And we've not really done a very good job currently with the spreading of the gospel to the nations. Let me, show you some, let me show you some statistics of where we stand with unreached people groups around the world. Okay, I'm going to put something on the screen. I want you to see this. There are, this is according to the Joshua Project, and, uh, which my home church worked on many, many years and has kept going. But this is, this is the global summary. There are 17,435 people groups that they have identified in the world. So of that 17,435, there are unreached groups 
These are people that have never had the gospel preached. There's no sustaining ministry in 7,425 of those groups. The total population now in the worldwide is almost 8 billion. And the unreached population is 3.37 billion. That means that there are 42% of the people, almost 43% of the people living today on the planet are living in an unreached people group. That's a lot of work. There's a lot of work for Christ followers to do. And we are so busy in churches in America, particularly building castles, and we don't even, we're, we're, not, we're, we're more worried about when the end times are going to come and am I going to be able to, you know, get my money out of my 401k before I die, you know, than we are about 42% of the people have never heard the gospel or have never experienced the love and the grace of God. And so the Lord just spoke that to me that, that we can't do this. We can't play church. We can't be passive. We cannot neglect the call of God. We have a mission. It's our co-mission. We, we are co-partners with Christ to fulfill the mission. And we have work to do. And we must stand firm and not be moved by anything, but we must fully devote ourselves to the work of God because the end is coming. And so my challenge is for that. They're, they're, I, w- I want you to see this. Now, I want to show you where these people groups primarily live. Let me show you this map. Okay, this is the progress of the gospel by people group. Okay, so you see the legend here. Red is unreached people or the least reached people. Yellow is a formative or nominal church. There are, like this is a Russian Orthodox church is up here. Uh, Green is established in significant churches. The believers in Latin America, hey, all the Hispanic people in here, glory to God. Way to go. Way to go. I mean, middle and southern Africa, I mean, this is Kenya. Kenya's kind of like a beacon, you know, this is Tanzania here. I want you to see here, though, everybody, that this is basically the 1040 window. And in that 1040 window is the majority of people that are unreached. Now, Christian life, just so that you know, for 25 plus years, we have been working in India and Nepal and Pakistan and Sri Lanka with our missionary friend, Rick Zachary, whom we still support monthly. I've traveled with him. Uh, Carrie and I have been to India. I've been to India many times in Nepal, and we've done a lot of ministry. I'm really happy about the work. Rick is no longer in there, but he has created an amazing uh, pastoral evangelist training um, uh, course that's available now for nationals in India, and it's amazing what is happening. Um, But India has become more and more difficult to go in and out of. Bohan Babu has just contacted me recently wanting me to come and do a pastor's training there. We're praying about when that will take place, but we still have a heart for India. We're still working. You know, one of my son-in-laws is from from southern India, and his family is here. They love the Lord. I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, This is Turkey. You know, Lisa Green, one of the daughters here in the church, I'm looking at her mom and dad back there right now. She has set up house in in Turkey, southern Turkey, and she's working with missionaries that are coming in for counseling and help and family support and that sort of thing. We're so proud. We're so proud of your daughter, guys, Bill and Ann. We're proud of her. And so to answer this, one of the things that we really have felt to do is that God connected us with uh, Yanusa Jao. He was just here just, not, just a month ago. And you met some of the leaders from New Generations. We had them up here on the platform. And four years ago, we took a plunge and we committed uh, $25,000 a year to work with reaching an unreached people group called the Wall-Off. And the Wall-Off people are quite large, uh, it's a quite large tribe, but they're in Senegal. And then you guys have that map 
where the Wall-Off people are. This is Senegal. Now, David and Landon and I went this last summer, and we are working primarily with the Wall-Off that are in Casamance. Now, Casamance is part of Senegal, although they kind of want their independence. But now, because of your giving, and you have given over $100,000 in the last three or four years into this ministry. I said you've given over $100,000 in the last four, three or four years. You know what? You know what? We need a new sound system right now. You know, but, but we've been paying off debt and we've been winning the loss the whole time. Instead of taking money that we're, that we're reaching overseas and spending it on ourselves now, it's only time just to ramp it up. We've paid off the building and it's time for us to see what else can we do to reach more unreached people groups. And this commission, this co-partnership we have with New Generations and Yunus Sajau is something I'm, that we're feeling really strongly to pursue all the more. Because of the ministry that's happened here, now the Wall-Off in Casamance, they're taking the gospel into the Gambia. They're going north of the border, and they actually are establishing churches. It's amazing what God is doing, and it's because you were willing to invest and send nationals into the field. It's an amazing thing that's going on. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad to be a part of it. This is part of our calling. This is the work of the Lord. Now, this is what I want to do today, everybody, is, is we have been praying about the next people group that we could reach out to. I've had long conversations with Yunusa, and where is his burden now? Let's put the next map up. I want to show you because we are working primarily right now with new generations in West Africa. I have done a lot of work in North Africa and in East Africa through the years. I've been in Southern Africa, the South Africa, Zambia, Zimbabwe, all of that area. But right, and I love all those places in Africa. But what I really have a heart for is right now is the Muslims and the Islamic and the animists that are idol worshipers in West Africa. It's time for them to have a move of God. There have been, there's been move of, moves of God in South Africa and East Africa and Central Africa, but Northern Africa and Western Africa, these are really difficult places, and a lot of those unreached people groups live there. And so we are working right now in Senegal, but this is where Yunusa is, is from, Cote d'Ivoire. And so these nations, they house another really large tribe that's unreached, and they're called the Malike Jula. Put that up on the screen. The Malike Jula. This is a group of, this is an unreached people group that live in that area. Now, these guys are traders. In fact, that's what they've been doing. They've, they, they've established, they live along the trade routes, this group of people. I mean, for centuries they've been, they've been there. And they were evangelized by Muslims. 80% of these, of these uh, Malike Jula's, they are of the Sunni um, Muslims. And 20% of them are idol worshipers. They're animists. And uh, put my map back up, please. So, so Yunusa and Next gen New Generations has been working out of Cote d'Ivoire, but there's, they, they're in Burkina Faso, in Ghana, and Mali. In fact, that's where they, they kind of started. They're also in, in Guinea here, Guinea-Bissau. There's a, there's a group of Malike Jula that live in Manhattan, 15,000. There's another group of them, an enclave in Canada, another several thousand. But most of them are in these nations right here, one, two, three, four, five. And God, I think, is attaching us to this vision, everybody. And so uh, today, I'm casting the vision for us to adopt these for the next four years. We will continue to invest 25,000 a year with the wall off because they there's a move now. That part of Casamance, there's a movement. They would no longer be considered unreached people groups because they are self-sustaining uh, ministries, and it's as a result of you guys. I'm not trying to exaggerate. There are lots of wall-off that are not reached. There's a lot more work to do, but in that region, God is operating so powerfully. And so now, Burkina Faso, Ghana, really it's this area right here where is a hotbed. And so I'm, I am ready for us to commit simultaneously to take on another unreached people group. That's $25,000 a year. That what we'll do with this money is that we will buy bicycles and motorcycles for 
uh, missionaries, dark-skinned missionaries that will be able to go in there, a light-skinned like me probably would not get very far in some of these villages just showing up. But there are people that are on the ground. All they need is the finances. I'm talking about access ministries like building wells, uh, buying seed, agricultural resources, things that get you into the community. Are, are y'all listening to me? This is, the way, this is the way this thing happens. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 is the word for us. We are positioning ourselves to be co-missionaries, partnering with this co-mission. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Glory to God. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I can't wait for the beautiful people that are connected with Yunusa Jal that they have seen come out of Islam, get saved, fall in love with Jesus. I can't wait for these beautiful people to be equipped with the funds that you send there and so that they can start reaching out to the Malike Jula. We have an assignment to do, everybody. We, it's not on us. We're going to partner. This is what God has called us to do. So we're talking about four million people. They have a completed Bible that's been translated in their own language. Their greatest need right now is just for workers, people that will go. And so, what can you do? Well, I think that there are three things that we can do. One, there's obvious some of us are going to go. God's called some of us to go to the nations, to leave physically and go but God's also called us to pray so there are some of us are goers and some of us are prayers Luke 10 Jesus told them the harvest is plentiful the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field Paul was in prison and he said to the church in Colossae he said would you pray that God would open up a door for my message so we pray for open doors. And then some of us, just trying to be cute here, we're not goers or prayers, but we are payers. In fact, your greatest, your greatest partnership, discipline, is to give. I'm just telling you, the American church is still wealthy. And a hundred of your dollars goes so far in places like this that you would not even believe. And so... I think that this is what God has called some of us to do, is to finance this mission. I mean, you just think, they have, they have Bibles already translated in Jula, but they need copies. Here's another thing that they need, is they need audio versions of it, because there's so many that live in that area that are literate. They can't read, and they're not ever going to learn how to read. And so when they go into a village, they share stories about the gospel in a, and have just a little discovery. Bible. They just find a person of peace. They go in the village. They tell a story. They sit in the circles and they ask them, what did you hear from God in that story? And they start discovering truth. And next thing you know, they're praying for somebody that's sick or somebody that's blind or somebody that's crippled. And the power of God hits them and they get saved. And villages, they give their hearts to Jesus. That's how Muslims get saved. And it's happening by the droves, everybody. And we can facilitate that. And so this year, we're, we're poised, we're going to kick this off. I'll be in communication with Yunusa this week that we are committing to take on this second unreached people group simultaneously. And I wonder how many of you are in agreement. Would you pray into this and would you participate with me in this? Would you? Amen. Now, let me close my message. God's called us to our neighbors and our nations. And I like to say that there are nations within nations, or people groups within nations. You just look 
around right now at how many ethnic people, non-typical white American people that we have here in, in this room today. I was just kind of doing some stats recently and I was just looking over our congregation and we have Colombians, Filipinos, Venezuelans. I don't know why y'all aren't shouting. <laughs> Costa Ricans, dozens of Puerto Ricans. We have people from Dominica. We have people from Africa, from different countries in Africa that live here and worship with us. These are, these are your people groups. And then you know what? Within your people groups, I'm looking at um, Steve Swink, and he's into Longhorn uh, cattle. There's a mission field right there. You need to talk to these Texas Star people. They might can help you out. You know, the border is open, our southern border, and people are griping and complaining, and I don't like also everybody just coming in for a free ride, but the Lord checked my spirit the other day because, you know what, we are like a melting pot, and God's bringing the nations to us. We have an assignment, and that is to reach all of these immigrants that are coming in. You say, I don't think that's fair, and it shouldn't be. Go ahead and be political if you want, you can, and you can also start asking God when the last days is. But I think the Lord's going to say, would you shut up and stop that and get busy with the assignment God has called you to? I'm just telling you, in this church, there are, there are people that speak the same language you speak. I mean, I mean they're, they're military people, they're truck drivers, there's medical people, there's athletes, there's musicians, there's computer techies, there's college students. You know, I, you know, I, I heard of a pastor's group in Nashville and Vegas that have a ministry, a pastor's wives groups that they're reaching out to strippers. Brothers, that is not your calling. <laughs> but it's somebody's calling. You might be thinking, well, I don't think you should go in that. Well, what, you got the weapons of light. We need to be penetrating the, the, place, the dark places where the, where the gospel has not reached. Anybody listening to me? You, in fact, some of you might even think, I don't like Muslim people. I'm not giving one dime to reach a Muslim person. Can, can I ask you something? when did Jesus say what someone believes or, or, or a lifestyle that a person lives precludes or disqualifies them from hearing the good news about the grace of God? Is there, any, is there anything that disqualifies people? The only people that get disqualified is the hypocritical people that blaspheme the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that everybody needs the gospel. And so Muslims needed, and strippers needed, and the drug users needed, and the homeless needed, and rodeo cowboys needed. A few months ago, Matt Phelps came to me, and we sat up in the office, and he says, I got to tell you about this vision and what's kind of coming together. He said, there's a group of guys, and we have, we have felt led by God to form a group, a country and western group and we feel like that God is opening up a mission field for us to go into that venue or go into that arena and bring good healthy entertainment by the way why is it that Christians have to abdicate and give the entertainment world over to the devil and he said will you pray with us and I'm like delighted to Sounds like God to me. I think of Christian life as being like the Antioch church and that, that there, there are all kinds of ministries that just spring up out of this church and it's not controlled by me. It's not run by me. Our staff doesn't have anything to do with it, but we're like, come on, go get it. Let's use the weapons of light and reach people in dark places. And so um, Matt asked, since this is his home church, if we would pray over them for this assignment 
of what Texas Star is doing. You saw this big old beautiful bus. I'm like, whoa, what is happening? And, um, and I want to introduce you to these guys right now. And I don't want you to leave church yet. You got, give me about 10 more minutes, everybody. And I want to bring them up on the stage. And I want to introduce them to you. And I want us to pray over them. And you might want to even hear them sing a song. I don't know if anybody wants to do that or not. Here's, here's what I want you to see, is that there are nations within nations. And so, everybody, this is Matt Phelps. If you haven't met him. Is Jennifer here? Yeah, they're back there. Hey, J Jennifer, raise your hand. They're, oh, there's, a, there's the family back there. I know if you don't sit over in that section, they never migrate over here. We got to work on that. We do. And, um, but. We're going to reach that nation over there. <laughs> So, yeah, yes, okay. Thank you very much. Take all my stuff. Okay, so everybody, uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I introduced this to you and told you that it was coming and uh, that Matt and, and, the, and the band, the group, would be here and that uh, we would talk. Now, I got a couple of pictures. I want to show you what God is doing because they, they drove through the night from Fort Worth last night to be with us today. They haven't slept very much last night. Yeah. So this is the group. You want to introduce the guys? Yeah, I'll tell you real quick, and I'll tell you, Pastor, uh, about a year ago, God put this vision in these guys' hearts. We all came from the Christian music world, a lot of big groups, Gaither and Imperials and Carmen, things like that. But God began to put a vision. He said, you've been casting your net over here. I'm not asking you to change your boat or location. I'm just asking you to look over here. And there is a huge amount of people that need to hear about Jesus. My dad always said, you could sit in a garage. That doesn't make you a car. And there's a lot of people that are out in that rodeo world and western world and fair world. And they'll say the name of Jesus, but they don't know him in their heart. And we're going after them, folks, with a vengeance. We're a brand new group, but God has opened doors. We were at the Cowtown Coliseum. We're a new group. This makes no sense, but they signed us to do an artist residency series. We're doing 12 concerts. All of them are sold out all across every night. And I'm going to tell you all a little secret that nobody knows because they just happened. While we were there, they introduced us to some executives. We're in negotiations for a nationally syndicated weekly television show. Hold on. We're going to sing country music, but folks, they're going to let us sing the gospel and present the gospel on that show to about 58 million homes. So we're so excited. These guys right here, uh, you, if you come to, how many going to come out tonight and hear some good Christian music and country music? I want y'all to come. I'm going to introduce these guys tonight, but J.D. Meeker, he's the real Texas cattleman right there, longhorn guy. Here's your longhorn man. Justin Terry. Now, I will tell you, Justin's actually an actor, too. If you watch those crime show TVs, you've seen Justin. We're proud to have him. And then Will Shaw right here. I love this man. Uh, he's got two mission fields, Christian music and his family. He is expecting his 10th child. <clears throat> yeah, there they are. Where are they at? Where are y'all at? Are they here? Oh, Shavana. Okay, there's one of them right there. Hey, everybody, uh, show the other picture. I want to show you the crowd that they were uh, singing to. That's last night in, in Fort Worth, right? Yeah, this Fort Worth, at the historic stockyards there in Fort Worth. And J.D. was telling me after, after they were done, there was a guy that came running down out who was a new believer, who was a Jewish convert, and he told J.D., he's like, I don't know what's going on, but the anointing was all over your group, and I'm so glad at what y'all are doing. Listen, guys, I'm just saying that that all of us are called to use our gifts Amen. and with, with a little mixture here of the weapons of light. And that's what's happening. You say, well, I don't know. Should they be going in bars and all that kind of stuff? You know what? I don't know. I asked you a minute ago, when does somebody's lifestyle or beliefs preclude them from being able to hear about the love of Jesus? Amen. I think instead of trying to tell everybody, won't y'all come to church? Let's do that. But how about we also go to them and tell them the gospel? Amen? Yeah. 
All right, listen. I want them to sing a song, okay? And, uh, and then I'm going to come up, and we're as a church body are going to be at a sponsoring church, a home church for this group. We're going to pray over them, and we're going to believe good things. So everybody, Texas Star. This is the very first song God gave us, and if it tells you about mission in your life, this is going to sum it up in one song. Smile, that's okay. So many miles I've traveled, so many songs I've sung. So often I've wondered, am I reaching anyone? Sometimes I get tempted to pack it all in until an amen from the back row reminds me again to sing one for the rebel who doesn't want to hear sing one for the wounded to callous to care sing another song of mercy forgiveness and grace cause you never know at any given place there may be one soul one song away amen it might take another chorus or another verse or two for god to move among us and do what only he can do Someone might be closer than they've ever been. They may be one song away from calling on him to sing one for the rebel who doesn't want to hear. Sing one for the wounded to callous to song of mercy forgiveness and grace cause you never know at any given place there may be one soul one song You never know at any given place There may be one soul, one song away There may be one soul, one song away everybody let's really give the Lord praise hey just hey just remain remain standing everybody um, you know when Matt and I were talking back I think it was November December about this them being here this is kind of the official beginning of their tour even though they've already done some shows and they just wanted uh, to be here so that we could pray over them and they're going to do a show tonight and this is a, there's no fundraising there's no tickets that need to be bought it's just I think I, I want to encourage you to come let's see what they're about you say well I don't want them to, I don't want my kids or my family to hear a bunch of you know vulgar music they're not going to do any vulgar music that's the other thing is they do no vulgar music 
but still they have people that are wanting them to come and sing. And there's a, there's a whole mission field. These are, these are, this whole farmer, rodeo world is wide open for them, and I think God's favor is upon them. So I want to encourage you to come tonight at 6. Some of you, I would just wish that, you know, just as a, just as a show of a partnership, I'd love for you to not come up on the stage, but just get out of your seat. Come forward and stretch your hands out with me. We're going to pray over them right now. Matt and J.D., how can we pray for you guys? I mean, obviously, Paul, when he was in prison, he said, pray for open doors. So we know we're going to pray for open doors. Pray for open hearts, for God to go before us that already softened those hearts. You know, we said we've been seeing it time and time again. We go to these rodeos, and they'll pray before every rodeo, and they'll say the name of Jesus. But then you'll see him over here at the bar 10 minutes later. And we just want God to start softening their hearts. When they hear that message, they'll obediently follow him. So we're just praying God will open and soften those hearts. Amen. Okay. Stretch your hands out toward them. Father, thank you. Lord, this is the answer to the great commission. To go into all the world, to all people groups, Lord. And there are people here that are nominal, or they've, they've heard the gospel, but they're not really connecting. And um, Lord, all the money, the time, the effort, it's all been spent. But if one person gets right with God for eternity, how do you put a price on that, God? And so we pray for them. Lord, you already are opening up hearts because there are people that are saying, yes, we want to be in relationship with you. So I pray, Lord, First of all, that everything that the devil would do to destroy this group will be already defeated before the assignment is released upon them. I pray protection over them. I pray, um, Lord, for open doors, even with this television opportunity, I pray that the enemy would not disturb that, let it, let it come to pass, and that you'd give them creative ways, uh, Lord, to entertain and present the gospel at the same time. I pray, Lord, for open hearts. That's what Matt is asking for. And I pray for, Lord, everybody that's a part of this group, that they would feel the pleasure of God and that this would be more than just a few gigs, that it would be a sense of assignment, Lord. And I pray that you would use them mightily in the kingdom of God. Christian life, Lord, we commit to praying for them, to embracing them, to partnering with them, Lord, to celebrating their wins and praying them through, Lord, the, the difficult times. So we bless Texas Star right now, and we say, God, move in their lives and advance the kingdom of God through them. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> can everybody say amen?